you know, in preparation for today, um, I've actually been joining your church uh, through podcasts and meditating on this psalm. And, uh, and so for three weeks, I've, I've been listening to the psalm. I've been saying it with you guys and uh, praying alongside you. Because I really, you know, when, when they asked me to preach today, I mean, this is Palm Sunday leading into Easter. It's not a small thing. And so I really wanted to be attuned to the Spirit, like, Holy Spirit, what do you really want to say to Reality Church? I don't want to bring in a, you know, a message from the left field. I, I want to I know, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to this church? But something has, has happened as I meditated through this psalm. And in fact, before I go any further, we're going to do what we've done uh, throughout this whole series, which is to recite this psalm together, hopefully by memory. If you haven't done it, it's okay. It'll be on the screen. But this will give us a moment because I was telling Pastor Dave and Tarek and Kevin uh, beforehand, I was like, look, I love this series because it's done something in my faith. Because this is one of those things. See, I'm a pastor's kid. Any pastor's kids in the house? I mean, you know what I mean. Like there are certain scriptures where, um, like, you know, you just check out. Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Boom. You're just, your mind is elsewhere. <laughs> you know, and, and what this series has done is it's, it's, it's said, no, no, slow down. Let's eat this psalm one scripture at a time. Let's digest it. And it's, it's actually become quite foundational in my faith again. So why don't we stand to our feet, church, as we read this. And for some of you, my prayer is you don't check out, but that we say this together. And this is uh, the NIV version. And let's read it slowly together, Psalm 23. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat this morning. So meditating on this psalm, going along this journey with you, it's really done something to my faith. Because historically when I've read this, there was a ton of emphasis in my mind put on the character of Jesus. Obviously, this is a messianic psalm, speaking of Jesus and how he is our great shepherd and our great host. Uh, and, but, but then I noticed as I was preparing for this week, I said, Lord, what do you want to say to this church today? Through Psalm 23, 6, and that's the verse we'll be focusing on. I began to realize that this isn't just about the character of God acting as shepherd and host, but really this psalm can be interpreted as a progression of our journey with God. Really, I mean, if you think about it, it's, it's kind of like I started to reread Psalms almost like it's a sequential maturation process of a Christian. It reminded me a lot of uh, the hero's journey. 
Uh, has anybody ever heard of the hero's journey? I, I mean, I, here's the thing with me. Again, I told you already, I'm a pastor's kid. I've heard almost every sermon under the roof about every scripture. And uh, I, don't, I don't do really well with like precepts and principles. I don't remember one sermon my dad ever preached as far as a three-point sermon. But I do remember stories. I love stories. You can tell me a story today. I'll remember it next year. I love stories. And, uh, and so, you know, it, this psalm, I began to read it in a different way, almost like it's a journey. And uh, there was a guy named Joseph Campbell. He was an American mythological researcher. And he wrote a famous book entitled The Hero with a Thousand Faces. And in his lifelong research, Campbell discovered many common patterns running through hero myths and stories from all around the world. So years of research led Campbell to discover that there are several basic stages that almost every hero quest goes through, no matter what culture the myth is a part of. He calls this common structure the monomyth, or the hero's journey. And so the hero's journey, it has several stages. I kind of want to go through them with you because uh, it reminds me of Psalm 23. But basically it's a cycle that begins and ends in the hero's ordinary world. But, but the quest passes through an unfamiliar special world, and along the way there are some key events. I mean, think about your favorite book, your favorite movie, your favorite hero, and does it follow this pattern? Basically, it starts with the status quo. There's just like a village. There's a city. There's a, there's a normal place, ordinary people, and then all of, his, all of a sudden someone gets called. Called to what? Called to an adventure. The hero receives a mysterious message, a call, a challenge, a spider bite, something. And, and they're like, oh my gosh, there must be something more to my life. It's this call to adventure. And then all of a sudden, they wrestle with this call. But you know, no good movie ends just with the wrestling. They eventually, they say, okay, so they submit to it. They accept the call. And then they realize, I can't do this alone. So then it's another stage called the supernatural aid, the assistance. They need, the hero needs someone to help them in this journey. Probably someone older, probably someone wiser, Yoda. Right? And then they finally depart and they enter into the unknown. The hero crosses the threshold of his normal life. This is when they say goodbye to mom and dad. This is Abraham. Leave your home country and go to the land unknown. This is where you leave what's familiar. You go, uh, the hero crosses the threshold of his normal life and safe home and enters into a special world of adventure. And then all of a sudden, the trials. The hero. He solves a riddle, or she solves a riddle. Come on, somebody. How many of you guys know we got some girl heroes in the house? The hero solves a riddle, slays a monster, escapes from a trap, and then it's the approach. It's time to face the biggest ordeal, the hero's worst fear, and then the crisis. This is the hero's darkest moment, the darkest hour. Actually, the hero faces death or possibly even dies, only to be reborn. Come on. And then there's a treasure. As a result, right, as a result, the hero claims some type of treasure or special recognition or power. And then this result, and then there's the result. It varies, but usually the enemy either bows down or chases him from the special world into a new life. This quest has changed the hero. Usually it's internally. Internally, He's outgrown his old life. She's outgrown her old life. And then there's a resolution. I love this part. All the tangled plot lines finally get resolved and straightened out. And then lastly, and I love this part because it's so significant to Psalm 23.6, then there's the return home. After all that adventure, the hero returns to his ordinary world but upgraded to a new level because nothing is quite the same once you're a hero. Man. 
Amen. Now, as it is in that hero's journey, and let me just preface something, the story of Jesus, the triumphal entry, Good Friday, Easter Sunday, let me just tell you something, that's not a myth. I just need to throw that out there. For anyone that is seeking, look, Jesus is not a myth. In fact, Jesus is the realest thing I've ever seen in this earth. He's the only truth. He is reality. He is actual reality. So when you hear the story of Jesus, you say, oh, yeah, I remember that preacher told me about that myth. No, no, no. Jesus is actual reality. I just got to throw that out there. Now, if you read Psalm 23 with that kind of progression, you begin to realize it's kind of the same thing in our journey with God. In verses 1 through 3, it's the ordinary world. The Lord's my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures, quiet waters. He's right there. Sheep, shepherd, cuddling. This is our, in fact, this is the original life God intended in the garden, right? It was peace. It was harmony with God. We walked with God. Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. They knew God. There was nothing in between them. Sin had not even entered the world. They were naked. And everyone was cool with that. That's how peaceful it was. It's peaceful. And that's like our, our journey with God. Initially, it's like it's peaceful. We're on the right path. We're intimate with God. He's our good shepherd. And then verse 4. Then I walk through the valley of the darkest shadow of death. I, I fear no evil. You're rotting your septic. Early in our walk, things are sweet, peaceful, enjoyable. Then comes the testing of our faith. Right? Then comes the testing. There's fear. There's danger. Darkness. Persecution. Family members mock you. Friends ditch you. All of that is part of verse 4, but this is, where we, this is where we go from knowing God intellectually to knowing God experientially. Because we know God not only as a good shepherd, but all of a sudden he turns into a fierce protector. This is where your faith is tested, but if you come out of that testing, you're actually stronger. And then there's verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflow. These, these are what I call the golden years. Okay, and it has nothing to do with age, okay? Because you can be 30 years old, but if you've gone through enough journey with the Lord, you can be in the golden age even at 30, even at 20. God is no respecter of people, right? He, it doesn't matter if you're 6 years old or 20. If you keep going with God, you can, you can enter into the golden years. This is where we've weathered some storms. We've gone through some stuff. We're, we're like a trained and experienced fighter. We know that God is faithful. Nothing really freaks us out anymore. Come on. Things in life, they're not that heavy. We don't even take ourselves that seriously anymore. And we become so secure in who we are and in whose we are that nothing really affects us internally. Do you remember when Jesus was sleeping in a storm? That's because he's so secure in who he is. In fact, so secure. That's why I love Psalm 23.5 because we can legitimately eat a feast in front of our enemies. I don't know if y'all ever been in a fight, okay? Uh, but, like, you don't really want to, like, pull out, like, a steak during, a, like, like, a confrontation moment. I mean, in fact, leading up to it, I mean, you're, especially your first fight, you're nervous as heck. You remember when that kid called you out? Hey, I'll see you at 3 o'clock in the courtyard. It's like, man, lunch? Forget about it, okay? It's like, I need to line up my boys. You, you're going to be there? You're going to be there? You're not going to be there? You're dead to me. All right. Look. <laughs> Forget, like, eating is nothing. And then you go through one fight, two fights, three fights. I've never been in a fight. I'm more of a cuddler, okay? But, uh, 
My, my best friend is a great fighter. But after like 20 fights, it's like, you know what? Like, like, like Joel Embiid, right? Like the guy that plays for the Sixers. The guy eats a cheeseburger before a basketball game. I'm just like, dude, how do you do that? I've been through it. Nothing really phases me. Where, that's Psalm 23.5. Look, I remember 1989 earthquake. Anyone in San, look, I'm a San Francisco native, born and raised. Come on, somebody. I'm not a bandwagon Warriors fan. <laughs> now, 1989 earthquake. I was in the Sunset District, 45th and Rivera, in my home. It's like in the afternoon. Got home from school. And uh, 6.9 magnitude for about 15 seconds. Okay, that does something to a young man, all right? No joke, okay, no joke. When the earthquake hit, I immediately was shouting prayers to God. Save me, Jesus, no joke. Save me now, come Lord. No joke. I didn't think about it, it just came from my spirit, right? It was just like, my sister was under the table weeping, okay? Just like a cry, like cry baby. She still is, but uh, she's crying, I'm praying, it just shows you what's in our heart, come on, and uh, my mom is just fiercely protecting us. You know what my dad's doing? Okay, my dad's an immigrant from Taiwan, born and raised in Taiwan, came to San Francisco when he was like 13, dropped off in the Richmond district, and uh, my dad was cooking. <laughs> uh, no joke. No joke. It's one of my favorite stories about my dad because I was so traumatized. My mom, people were on the streets, neighbors caring for each other. Houses crumbled. Uh, you know, the World Series going crazy. And my dad was mad that we wouldn't get around the table to eat. I was like, how can you eat in a time like this? And he's like, son, you've never been through a Taiwanese typhoon. <laughs> I was like, you're right. You're right. I haven't church. The world can go crazy, but if we're with the shepherd, we can feast in the presence of enemies. We can feast in the presence of danger. And that was my dad, because you've been through enough. You've been through enough. You're a trained fighter. This ushers you in when you feel secure in your soul. This ushers you into the abundant life. You know, my wife, man, she, she is a web MD, okay? She has a PhD in web MD, okay? Like, she'll diagnose everything. She reads all the reports. She, the, the flu is unbelievable. One of our kids is bound to die because statistically it is. I'm like, dude, please, we are with the shepherd. Stop freaking me out. This ushers you into the abundant life where the years of your labor and toil, your stress and hard work begin to produce fruit and return. These are the people who have been through so much, they talk differently. There's a depth to them. They say about this much, but it means this much. You could see it on American Idol on any given night. There are a thousand people with a great voice. They sing from here. And then you get one guy and they do the, the montage of his story. And he's singing from here, and you get the goosebumps. That's Psalm 23.5. You see, this psalm is a progression where you know God intellectually. Then you know him experientially. Then you know him intimately. But ultimately, we land on verse 6 where we will know God eternally. See, before, this, before we end this psalm on verse 6, I want to uh, mention a couple of things. First of all, I'm a firm believer that Christianity is not like levels of a video game. Where when you pass one level, you say, oh, I'll never have to revisit that again. <laughs> it's more like seasons of the year. You never graduate from abiding. 
You never graduate from grace. You never graduate from stepping out in faith. You never graduate from humility and serving. Look, when, when, when Pastor Dave's up here and he's saying to the church, I feel like we're titch stagnant. We need to step out in faith. You, you, you don't say, well, I did three years ago. Dave, what are you talking about? No, we don't graduate from faith. What have you done now? We don't graduate from service. I served last year in the kids' ministry. No, no, no. Can I tell you? You don't graduate from serving. We need 50 people this next weekend so that the Lord can add to this church daily those that are being saved. And you'll say, no, but I want to be there in the service because that's the greater part. Let me tell you, Jesus said, you want to know what greatness is? Serve. He wrapped a towel around his waist and he washes it. He goes, that's greatness. What if, I, what if I flipped the script and actually told you that Easter Sunday, the greatest part of the service is being in the kids' ministry? And they did not pay me to say that. <laughs> but I am saying that when you serve, you never graduate. You just go back to it and you serve. And in a moment, you're, you're, you're cleaning up a diaper while everyone is worshiping and that the Lord touches you. And you get a revelation that you couldn't have got anywhere else. We never graduate from these things. But why do we have to go through this cycle? Why do we got to go through verse 1 through 5 over and over and over? Why? Why this process? Why this progression? Why do we have to go through it? Because he's conforming us into the image of Christ. Psalm, I mean, Romans 8.29. For those God foreknew, he predestined to be something, sons or something. And uh, he's conforming us. <laughs> I almost typed it in my notes. I was like, no, I, I've memorized this a ton of times. And then, dun, dun, dun. We never graduate from memorizing simple scripture. He's conforming us into the image of his son, Jesus. That's what our purpose is in life, is to know him and then to be like him on the earth. And the only way to grow in our character and for the impurities in our life to be flushed out of us is to go through the fire of verses 1 through 5 over and over until we come out of the fire of gold. So some of you today, you're in verses 1 through 3, you're enjoying that green pasture, the quiet water, the ripe. Some of you are in verse 4, you're going through hell, literally. Some of you are in verse 5, you're so secure, you've made it through the valley, you're feasting in the presence of enemies. Your cup is overflowing. And this is why God calls us to community. This is why community is important. This is why this church in this city is so vitally important. This is why dedicating babies is important. Why? Because no matter what season we're in, we need to encourage one another. Because when we tell our story to each other, you think you're going through that alone? Wait till, the, wait till you hear this guy's story. He just went through that. When Dave was going through things last year, I was like, oh, bro, I went through that three years ago, man. Let's just go eat. That's what helps. Seriously, seriously. Like, you know, but, but testimonies can sharpen. And then when I am weak, Dave comes along and goes, oh, bro, I just went through that. Let me tell you, we need community. We need the gray hairs in this room that are living in abundance to turn around to the next generation. And they are so stressed out they can't even sleep. They're medicating because they can't even focus. We need the gray hairs in this room to turn around and say, listen, I've gone through it. It's not that heavy. We need each other. And my prayer, oh God, this Easter is that God would add to this body. Ready, Dave, for three more services? <laughs> That's my prayer, though, because we need, this city needs the church, capital C church. We need to remind each other the plot lines will get straightened out. Now, my encouragement lands in verse 6. And as I close, 
Uh, verse 6, surely your goodness and your love will follow me all the days of my life, and I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Two simple thoughts, and then we'll enter into time of worship. God's love is following you. God is preparing a room for you. I know it's simple, but really what I'm called here to do today is to call you into worship. We cannot always see God's goodness and mercy ahead of us. Our current reality may not be 100% clear, but I guarantee you if you turn around and look at your past, it is 2020 vision that God has always been there. Our future is uncertain. We don't know. Like today is a little murky, but just turn around and remember, look at what God has done in your life. His love and goodness has followed you all along. This sermon challenged me to remember, even to myself, and I felt compelled to tell you, did you know that did you know I was married at 21 years old? I got married in the Tenderloin District at my church. I had $80 in my bank, and I was making $700 as a youth pastor. My whole Asian side of the family was like, there's something wrong. Don't get married. You need a career and savings. And I was like, no, this is a good woman. I want to lock it down before someone else does, right? <laughs> 70 bucks in my bank. I said I do at the altar, and I told my wife, we're praying for a great money dance in the reception. No joke. No joke. And my father-in-law, thank God Almighty, came through with a sweaty wad of cash that gave us $3,000 for our honeymoon. Come on, somebody. Why do I share that? Why do I share that? Because some of you make a little more than $700 a month and you're freaked out to propose. I'm just like, bro, I, look, my wife and I, I moved into my sister's home with one room. She had four kids with hardwood floors, okay? Career, no career path, college dropout, no plan. I just wanted to reach young people in the Tenderloin. Okay, 15 years later, I remember God's goodness every step of the way. I made wrong mistakes, took wrong turns. We took crazy, stupid steps of faith. We got kicked out of our rental when Corey was eight months pregnant with Malachi. We were, we were in one room in the Tenderloin I borrowed for a month. God's goodness followed us. I was, laid out, I was laid off in 2008, two days before Thanksgiving, during the economic turndown. Corey was seven months pregnant with our second one. God's goodness and love followed me. I remember what seemed like years of walking in the valley. Then all of a sudden we got a great job in the corporate world. I got promoted four times. We bought a couple of homes. We had some nice cars. God's goodness followed me even then. Then I remember when God said, now give it up in 2011. And in, in September 2011, this was our weekend. On the third weekend of September 2011, I quit my job. My last day of my corporate job was Friday. My daughter, my third, was born on Sunday. I started City Impact on Monday. I remember God's faithfulness. I remember we were just renting a home because we knew we had to be back in the city. thousand square foot home on two levels. We were downstairs. Our kids were upstairs. It was a tragedy. We were launching new ministries. We were launching new ministries. Corey had just given birth. Corey had postpartum. My daughter had colic, and we were launching new ministries. I was working 14 hours a day. But I look back now, and I'm like, God's goodness and love was there every step of the way. 15 years married now, four kids. I don't know how it happened. I don't know. I, I share that as an encouragement because you know me. I just told you my story. There's no rhyme or reason. There's nothing consistent about my path except one thing. God's love and his goodness follow me every time. Ups and downs, left and right. 
he can be trusted. And we launched out of City Impact in July, and we're doing a new thing. I'm 36 now, okay? I'm not a young man anymore, and I'm launching a brand new thing. This is when, again, my family is like, don't worry, she's not pregnant, <laughs> okay? <laughs> This is when, like, they're like, hey, you, you're 36, man. You should be, like, receiving. now. No, we're starting again. Why? We never graduate from faith. You go back again to only know God deeper. We have one certainty. His love and goodness follows us. And then here's the second encouragement from Psalm 23.6. God is preparing a room for you. The end of Psalm points us to our return home. When we've passed through this life, all the ups and downs, all the trials and tribulations, we have security knowing we are headed toward eternal home. Church, we are aliens and foreigners in this world. How does this affect us today? Knowing that our eternal home is in heaven with him forever, how does it affect how we live today? Very simply, God gave me this analogy for this church. If I were to go to Santa Barbara for a month of vacationing and I rented an Airbnb, and this is me and my wife and my four kids, and we're over there, and we're enjoying time. It's just for a month, just in July, this summer. We're just going to relax. And you called me on the second week and said, Christian, what's going on, man? And, and all of a sudden I said, oh, you know, we're just relaxing. But, but you know, I got a little antsy, and, you know, I, I'm actually remodeling the kitchen. What are you doing, man? You called me the third week. Oh, yeah, I'm putting new carpets in, and we're digging a hole for a pool for this place. Eventually, you'll have to look at me like I'm insane. Why are you investing in a rental property, bro? Listen, this ain't our home. And if you focus too much on this home, you're putting the wrong emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> Remember that Gwyneth Paltrow movie? That was one of my favorite clips. Too much emphasis on this world skews the way you look and live. Why are you investing so much on a rental? This ain't our home. That's why Jesus said, store your treasure in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy. Foolish is the man that says, oh, I got to build a bigger barn. He dies that night. If you were to die tomorrow, how would you live? That's how we should live every day as sojourners of this earth. Jesus said in John 14, don't let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I wouldn't have told you. But I'm going there to prepare a place for you. I close with a story. Because it encapsulates both truths of Psalm 23.6. That God's goodness and love follows you. And that God prepares a room for you. And it's a story about my best friend in life named Visna. Visna's mom was pregnant. When she escaped Khmer Rouge and she fled to Thailand where he was born and he was raised in a refugee camp in Thailand by a group of women who all took turns nursing him. And eventually Visna and his mom, they got out of Thailand and when he was about four he landed, uh, him, his mom, his two brothers landed in San Francisco in the Tenderloin District. Now growing up in the Tenderloin, uh, Visna had no hope. He was beat up, abused, neglected, torn down, father absent, made fun of, struggled with schooling, so he joined a gang. He sold drugs. He turned violent to survive. Visna is a great fighter. That's the friend I was talking about. Like, he's been in a lot of fights. He's actually been in over 30 fights. He's only lost twice. Once because they had bats. <laughs> True story on mission. Anyways. When I was 17, now Visna's grown up now in the Tenderloin, and when I was 17 years old, and we're about the same age, I felt called to start a youth ministry. The problem was we didn't have any youth in the youth ministry. 
so my dad said, just go on the streets and start meeting people. And I heard of this infamous guy named V in the gang, in the Crips, and uh, Cambodian Crip gang. And, uh, but, but I knew, hey, I'm a white guy slash Chinese guy uh, on the streets of the Tenderloin. And, like, I don't really fit, you know. I'm like, I need protection, so I'm going to go find this guy, V. And I was like, V, look, I truly believe God has a, has, has a plan for you. And I remember standing in front of 245 Level Worth. I said, V, you're 18 years old, man. What do you have to show for your life? And he, he sat there contemplatively. He's like, uh, I said, give God five days, man. Five days, go camping with me. See if God can do in five days what you can't do in 18 years. He goes, bro, I, I don't know you. He used to call me white boy Jesus. White boy Jesus, I don't know you. I don't want to camp with you. And I was like, okay, listen, just do it. Trust me. He goes, okay, we'll do it. But compromise. We're going to stay at Jones Street in the, in the church. I said, perfect, five days. We, we read the, uh, this was my plan, right? Okay, read the Bible, eat. It's still my plan every day. Okay. So we read the Bible. We had breakfast. We read the Bible. We had lunch. We read the Bible. We had dinner. Three days. He couldn't get past one question. Yeah, but I don't understand why it's illegal to smoke pot if God put it on the earth. <laughs> I'm just like, bro, I'm walking you down the Romans road. Can we talk about sin real quick? You know, I'm like. Okay, so he's like, and then the fourth morning he wakes up. He goes, I think the Holy Spirit spoke to me. I was like, bro, you ain't saved. That's not the Spirit. I'll tell you that right now. He, I said, but by happenstance, what did the Holy Spirit say? He says, I think I need to do three things. He held up a biggest bag of ecstasy pills I've ever seen. He goes, I think I need to flush this. I've been selling them. I'm like, historically? He's like, no, like, when you fall asleep at night, I go out and sell it. That's, <laughs> I was like, that's God, bro. Because I don't want to get arrested for your foolishness. We're driving around Ocean Beach reading. He's got ecstasy on him. Okay. And uh, we flushed down the toilet. And I said, what, what else you got to do? He goes, I got to go home. And uh, I knew he had these two dogs. I don't like dogs. Uh, I mean, I like dogs, but I, I was almost attacked by one. So I, I'm afraid of dogs, I used to say. And, uh, and, uh, but he trained these two pit bulls to fight. One was named Coke, the other Kane. So I was like, bro, I'll take you home, but I'm staying outside. And, and, and I said, and he came out 20 minutes later. I said, what'd you do? He goes, man, God told me to burn my porn, stack this big, in the backyard, just burning this pornography. And then I said, what do you got to do next? Man, this is progressively getting bad. <laughs> like, he goes, I got to lay my dogs down. I was like, you know what, I'll do anything for you except that. And I called my sister, and she came up, and they laid the dogs down. I'll never forget when Vincent stood in front of the church. He goes, what do I do now? That was 16 years ago. And we've been together ever since. We lived on the fourth floor together. We had dreams. We said, hey, we want to have kids together. Like, uh, I mean, with <laughs> we want to have kids around the same time. Like, we, we dreamed. Of, and in 2014, we both had sons. Uh, like, and they're growing up around. The, and, and look, he's, he's radically saved. He never looked back. It's been 16 years. He works at City Impact. He makes 330,000 meals a year for the people in the Tenderloin. He's sitting right there in the front row, not to bring glory to him. But I, I bring him. I was like, you need to show up because people think I lie. Like, and, and we never look back. But his story doesn't end here. But if you look at Visna's life, God's goodness and his love followed him from Khmer Rouge, Thailand, Tenderloin, to 18, to salvation, and for 16 years. And it doesn't end there. Summer 2015, where his wife is a, is a teacher at the school in the Tenderloin, a five-year-old girl. This is a picture of Visna and his family. The five-year-old girl, so this is their two kids, Panea and Benaya. And then the five-year-old girl was in the school, and she was home one day. 
And her mom passed out from alcohol poisoning, and, and so CPS was called, and they were going to pull her out of the family and then put her in the foster care system. And V goes, I'm going to intervene. He started going to foster classes on his own. He got approved. He wanted to help take Michelle into his family. Now, this was just after weeks of his wife giving birth. And then one day after staff meeting, V comes up to me and goes, hey, bro, let me get your credit card. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I just don't ask him questions anymore. I was like, here you go. And he, I said, what are you doing? He goes, the city is visiting, man. I'm approved. They just want to make sure that we have a room for her. Church, I close with this very simple statement. You can't get adopted without a room prepared. And in Ephesians 1, the Bible says that you are adopted into God's family. If he adopts you, he's preparing a room for you. For you can't get adopted without a room. It doesn't even happen in our city. Let, and we are evil people, let alone God. We will spend eternity with God. We will. But in the meantime, know this. His goodness and love will follow you. I'm going to have the worship team come forward. Because as we close, I want to ask, are you in the green pasture? Are you in the valley of darkness? Are you in the years of abundance? The reality is it doesn't really matter where you're at. This should call us all to worship Jesus with all that we have. For some of you, you need to surrender to Jesus, and you need salvation today. Others of you, you just need to just know that he's with you. His goodness, his faithfulness is there. As we worship, we invite you to take communion and remember God's love and goodness through the body and, through the body and blood of Jesus right here. Also, these prayer mats are for you to just come and connect with God. You don't need a preacher to connect with God. You don't need an intermediate. You have an intermediate. You know what I'm saying? You got that. His name's Jesus, the great high priest. You don't need anyone else. Come to the carpets. Connect with the Father. Take communion. And if you don't know how to connect, we have a prayer team on the side that will help you. Because some of us, like when, when I was early on in the faith, I didn't know how to pray. I just knew I needed a miracle. And I would say, just, just lay your hand on me. I need a miracle. Our prayer team will be here. Prayer team, the carpets, communion. But ultimately, listen to the, listen to the lyrics of this song that we're going to sing. Listen to the lyrics. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You've been so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. It chases me down, fights till I'm fine, found, leaves the 99. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. Still, you gave your life away. There's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up, no wall you won't kick down, no lie you won't tear down. You're coming after me. Father, I pray for Reality Church right now. You would encourage our faith today, God. You are following us. Your love and your goodness has always followed us, even when we made wrong turns, even when we didn't see you. Lord, you, we know that you are there when we look back. I pray that you would encourage our faith as we worship you in Jesus' name.